All right, let's do it. This is now and then instant reaction with Casey Baker. What? Three, two, one. Untitled Beatles podcast. Welcome to the Untitled Beatles podcast. Holy shit, guys. It is a uh, instant reaction. Now and then we're recording on the day that now and then dropped. How you guys doing? Great. How exciting to be talking with a new Beatles song the third time in our lifetime. And Casey, you were born in 08. That's right. So <laughs> first forget. time in my lifetime. I'm I'm 12 years old. <laughs> little Good math. little Casey Baker. <laughs> little Casey Baker. Baby I'm Casey. You know, for those of us born after the Beatles broke up, this is only the third time in our lives we've been able to hear the phrase a new Beatles song. It's still very yeah. exciting. I, I can't get over it. It's a one, it's like a Beatle holiday. It really is, man. Yeah. And congratulations. Look at this. Gen Z and young millennials. This is their first new Beatles song in their lifetime. So there you go. You get one. That's great. First and last, prob- probably last. I don't know. How. What's our degree of confidence that this is last? They're declaring it, man. They're saying this is it. And I, I think that's telling. I think that's smart. I think that's a good idea. They're saying, hey, we've decided this is the last song. You know, you can have all your fun with your AI and all that, but that's not going to be official. This is it. This is the last one. Cannon's closed. Well, until the deluxe reissue of Now and Then, mm-hmm. when they <laughs> when they remix Free as a Bird, and they remix Real Love, and seriously, and all of a sudden, Grow Up With Me now has George doing guitar. Everything's going to get weird. It's the last, it's the final <laughs> Beatles song, while 50% remain with us, thankfully. That's right. Yeah. It's like, it's the end of a particular era, but it's also kind of the beginning of this post-Beatles <laughs> AI yeah. era where things, yeah. shit's yeah. going to get weird. I think that's right, TJ. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, it's the first in this new version of Beatles songs yeah. where you can do whatever the fuck you want. Or what. <laughs> in, in 20 years, this is going to be issued on 8-track with Carnival of Light as like yeah. a retro, like, 8-tracks yeah. are all we have now. Yeah, $700. Oh, yeah, so you this know? means we're never getting Carnival of Light then, right? Well, that would, you know, I wouldn't call that a new Beatles song, right? Because that's that would just be like an outtake or something like that. You sure. know what I mean? Sure. It won't happen while, and God willing, Paula Ringo are with us for many years to come, but it won't happen while the surviving Beatles are alive. Yeah. And I don't think Let It Be will come out on DVD at the DVD because it's 2006 <laughs> in my mind. I don't think there's going to be the Michael Lindsay Hogg Let It Be for a while either. I think... I don't know. I think it would have been released already, given the get backs now a couple years old already. So, yeah, yeah this sure. is probably it while they remain alive, except for like the deluxe rubber soul. And yeah. it's at some point as they go back in the catalog and and we've yet to have a remix of Magical Mystery Tour and the Yellow Submarine track. So that's coming other than, of course, the song track, but a new one, I mean. Yeah. And not to get ahead of things, but I just noticed, you know, three of those Magical Mystery Tour songs are getting remixes on the Blue album. So coming out next week at the time of this recording. Yeah. Are they using the 2015 or 2017 from the Pepper Box? I can't wait to go through that with you, too, because American copies better have the James Bond intro on help or I'm going to my local shuttered chain record store to demonstrate (laughs) 
Yeah, I have a feeling you better start making your picket sign, TJ. I don't think we're hearing that help thing. We're not hearing it. James Bond, man. I love it so much. I think we're, I think the untitled Beatles remix will obviously include that. It has yes. to. That's it. Yes. Young people need to hear help with the James Bond theme, and she loves you bathed in duophonic echo. <laughs> Maybe half that, but sure, yeah. I'll, I'll back you up on half that. <laughs> Well, dudes, yeah. Oh, I'm Tony, by the way. <laughs> and I'm TJ. Casey, I extended my arm to you because I want to be, you know, a good a good host. Oh, I appreciate that. And I'm Casey. I just assumed I would kind of go third because you always have that rhythm that I'm Tony, I'm TJ. I'm the, I'm the interloper here. Let's call it what it is. <laughs> interloper, yeah. Berserk. It's like that Berserk video game. I'm the, we're the bounce, you're the bouncing ball chasing after us. The, hey, right. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, bouncing ball baker. Intruder alert. Intruder alert. Should we tell everyone our Jitsi names? Is that part of the fun of today? Yeah, let's do that. So we're meeting on Jitsi. It's a form of Zoom that, uh, you know, isn't owned by China. Yeah. No, I don't know, man. I don't know. It might be yeah. actually. So. Did, did you check your morning paper? <laughs> now, TJ, I love your name. You are, <laughs> you are quote, twee as a turd. From Cream Magazine. That's a quote. That's a Cream Magazine quote. Yeah, this ain't a rock song. In fact, huh, it's Twee as a Turd. Cream Magazine. <laughs> Did I? We don't tolerate Billy Joel ballads. <laughs> Casey, you are Mal, which is great. I'm Mal. I just, I don't want to tip my hand too far, but later in the episode, my name will evolve. That's all I'm saying. Ooh. Mal in honor of the technology, the cleaning technology used in this uh, remix. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. The Peter Jackson malware. And our Mal well. Evans, Casey Baker, is kind of our Mal. It's true. The man behind the anvil. Yeah. I try to be. I aspire to be. <laughs> the man behind the anvil. That's good. I like that. And then I am now and Ben Shepard because, you know, I, Ben Shepard, that's a Pearl Jam reference. He was in Soundgarden. Uh, so I'm Gen X to the core, even though I prefer Nirvana to <laughs> Pearl Jam, but yeah, doesn't matter. I was going to say, he, Tony's also wearing a Mookie Blaylock 10 jersey. <laughs> Deep cut, Mookie Blaylock, original yeah. name of Pearl Jam. So there you go. Mookie Blaylock for three. He got it. Well, it is a, what is it? It's a Thursday afternoon. I'm in Maine. Uh, M-A-I-N-E, the state of Maine. Who coaxed the blues right out of the horn? Maine. <laughs> Did I do a quick show and tell of all the Beatles uh, records I've bought here in Maine? Yes. All right. Let's, I'll make it quick. I finally got an original Beatlemania record, oh, the wow. double LP. On light blue Arista? Uh, stand by. <laughs> Stop. Confirmed. Light blue air. Yes. <laughs> I'll save this one. This is one of my favorites. I got these at a place called Strange Maine in uh, Portland, Maine, which is a great town. Uh, I picked this up at a thrift store a couple doors down from there. I had this on cassette when I was in high school, and I find I've never seen it on vinyl. It's the Beatle that time forgot. Yeah, the Pete the Best, Pete Best album. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So I got a Pete Best. They had two Pete Best records. One of them was this one going for eight dollars, and they had another one that looked older that was going for thirty-five. Ooh. <laughs> I was like, well, get the other one. Uh, I went up to Bangor. You know, we stalked Stephen King's house and. 
TJ, I got you. You're gonna love it because I got a cutout copy. You got press to play. It's a cutout. Yeah. <laughs> I got a cutout copy of press to play vinyl. Uh, <laughs> it, trust me, you will prefer it on vinyl to a digital medium. I agree. It's much agree. better on vinyl. I like press. And then in 1980, this is a, a musician yes. magazine in, interview with McCartney. Cool. Columbia sold millions of those, Tony. That was pressed as For an real? actual. Yeah, that actually it did so successful with like DJs that they put it out on the market. I think it was a nice price release. Oh yeah. It was a nice price. That they had a, it was it has a red tag, which I yeah. think that means I paid three ninety nine for. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great interview, uh, except there's lots of sounds of like the street and cars and honking. Oh yeah, it's very they good. That. Yeah. They mentioned that. Not anymore. Using the mal technology, <laughs> stripped it out. The next thing, dude, That's Casey Paul thing. returns to Columbia for one triumphant moment. That's right. <laughs> the last Beatle interview with Paul in 1980 <laughs> on Columbia Records and Tapes. On Columbia. <laughs> And last but not least, I got this for $8. It's also a cutout, but it is a, uh, it's kind of like the box set version of the All This and World War II. Yes. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> it was a movie that just tanked. It was in the theaters for two weeks. We have to do an episode about this one day. Yes, we do. Um, it's basically, it's like World War II footage combined with covers of Beatles songs. Is <laughs> What? Is Leo Sayer on that? Yes, he's on uh -huh, it a bunch. I've got that too, yep. And Ambrosia. What? And actually, it's- Elton the, John's on there. Elton John, and it's yeah. the first solo performance of Peter Gabriel. He covers Strawberry Field. Yes. Yeah. Tina Turner, The Four Seasons, Helen Reddy. The Bee Gees. Keith Moon does When I'm 64. <laughs> anyway. <Yep>. Whoa. <laughs> we'll, so we'll have to cover that. And it still has the, uh, it's <laughs> the last, it's still ha in the, in the booklet, it still has like a, a send away for an iron on. You can get an iron on t-shirt of, uh, you know, all this in World War II. You know, and it's got like the Christy McNichol looking woman. You yes. Know? <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Send it in. See if you get anything back. I've always wanted to do that with like an old record club postcard from a 90s yeah. TV guide. What will they respond to me? Will the yeah. Patriot Act find me? Like how There's does that still work? one guy working it, you know. Anyway, thank you. Thank you for that detour. But I'm in Maine and it just proves that the Beatles are everywhere, even in Maine. Who would have thought? You're there and everywhere. <laughs> thank you. You thank know, you, Matt. I went to uh, a record store field trip today as well to have show and tell. To, <laughs> I drove to Chicago to go to my favorite Chicago to go to my favorite record store, Reckless Records on Belmont. I missed the one on Broadway, but times change. And I went, I went to that Reckless, and uh, right as I found a parking spot across the street from the Vic Theater, I'm slacking with Tony and Casey, and Tony goes, "By the way, the vinyl comes out tomorrow." <laughs> Yes. Well, I, I wasn't sure. I was like, well, you know, we get those emails from Bruce Spicer. Bruce Spicer emailed me to let me know. <laughs> Save yourself a trip, buddy. Uh -huh. <laughs> He's like, on our uh, Slack. <laughs> you better call ahead. I didn't see it till too late because I knew you were doing this and I thought, oh, yeah, I wish I could do the same, but I, I don't have a turntable. I'm staying in this cabin. I'm like, well, I'll just wait till I get home. I got it coming anyway. Well, let's talk about that. What, what, what formats have you bought now and then on? Okay, here's what TJ. I have pre-ordered. The most exciting one to me, only available on the Beatles website, and as of this morning, November 2nd, it was still available, 
the cassette single with the A side of of now and then and B side is the let it be uh, let it Excuse be lo- me, the love me do. A side my friend double A <laughs> double thank A you, Casey. Thank, thank, thank you very you. much I think it's replaced uh, strawberry fields penny lane and uh, oh chris carter today on breakfast with the beatles played Every Beatles song, every single A-side and B-side from the UK leading up to Now and Then. That's great. And then came out of Now and Then with Free as a Bird and Real Love, which was great. But here's why I bring that up, Tony. He treated uh, Penny Lane as the A-side and the Strawberry Fields as the B-side, which Mm. I found interesting. Penny Lane came first. Yeah. Dubious at best. <laughs> <laughs> at any rate, so I've got the cassette coming. I pre-ordered the red 12-inch vinyl from Target. Oh. Target has a red 12-inch vinyl. <laughs> and I pre-ordered the 7-inch marble uh, vinyl from uh, the Beatles uh, a record store online. And I was going to stop today and buy the rest of the vinyl copies at, respectively, The Reckless on Belmont, I was going to go to Rattleback, Lori's Planet of Sound, and then Squeezebox and get the clear vinyl, the black vinyl, the blue vinyl. Just so I have them all. And so you can go to a record store. How often do you get to go to a record store in a day there's a new Beatles single? It's very exciting. It is exciting, man. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's good, man. Yeah. What did you pre-order? I ordered, yeah, similar to you, I got the blue marble vinyl. That's coming. And then because, you know, I like that 90s indie rock, TJ. Mm-hmm. I got the 10-inch. I ordered the 10-inch record. Yeah, that's so. sold out quick. That's super rare is at this right? point. Yeah. Awesome, man. Yeah. I like 10-inch records. There's something kind of cool about them. I like 12-inch records. Says a lot about the kind of men we are, don't it? Ain't it? <laughs> Never noticed the size of my feet till I kicked you in the shins. <laughs> I have failed to pre-order any of them. Casey. Mostly because I, I know. I'm just not a true fan. I'm a millennial and I'm fine with my Spotify and my Pandora, which is not true. I am going to buy it. I want to buy it from a record shop. I have four record shops in my neighborhood. None of them are able to do a pre-order. They don't know when or if they're going to get it. Uh, And I'm really grateful that I'm on West Coast time because I got to see TJ's foibles. You know, our record shops don't open for another half hour here. So I was going to try and run out to get one, but I'm not going to. So I'll I'll take a... A whirl, yeah, tomorrow, maybe head out to Amoeba. I think it's probably my best bet. Yeah. That's your best bet to snag one for sure, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great, man. Well, yeah, should we talk about it? Yeah, let's get into the song. Instant, we need to. Instant reaction's going to get you. Yeah, should we do a little, like, I mean, everyone knows this, but should we do a quick little, like, history about it, though, or how we, how, yeah. how we got here and all that? Yeah. Yeah. All right. I mean, we all know this. Okay, so free as a bird. Real love. It's real love. It's real love. Yes, it's real love. And grow old with me. And then now and then we're all on a cassette that Yoko gave to the Beatles in the 90s for them to perhaps when anthology was being made, like, hey, maybe you can do something with these John demos. These are John demos that were all done at the Dakota late 70s, right? Yeah. 
and in theory, now and then was going to be part of Anthology 3, we think, right? Yes, it was supposed to be. That's why it was replaced by the George Martin orchestral track, A Beginning, which was, I think, going to be the lead into Good Night. Yeah, and your favorite karaoke song. Oh, I love, <laughs> I love doing A Beginning, and I love doing Cat's Walk. yeah you just do that part okay so it seems like you know they started working on now and then they actually went up in 95 they went up to paul's uh recording studio to work on it and there's footage of that there's a great 12 minute video that came out on yesterday at the time of this recording uh that shows footage of that of them working on it George added some guitars, acoustic guitars, electric guitars. I think there was a bass part because Paul talks about redoing his bass part later. Yes. Ringo had done a drum track. There'd been some vocals done at that time as well. For some reason, it just didn't work. They were saying it was the fidelity. The narrative has changed. It's one of the Beatles stories that has changed because it was, it, yes, the technology was more flawed than at any other point in the cassette. The buzzing that accompanies this song on the original is unlike anything that's in the background on Real Love and Freeze a Bird. I know it's true. So it's not just that the piano's tacked to John's vocal. It's that buzzing yeah. that permeates through it. So that was one problem. The other problem is George said for years, he said, it's rubbish. And he he made a joke about he hopes, you know, when he's dead. I mean, who God, who would have known it would be that soon after all right. this? But, you know, when he's dead, he hopes somebody takes his, you know, demos and makes millions off of him. So I think the consensus was George said, no, the Beatles were a democracy and it all got put away. Yeah, right. But in this like post Peter Jackson world, we have this new Willy Wonka like, oh, uh, (laughs) he wins the chocolate factory. And now it's the (laughs) fidelity that we're talking about. That's uh, rubbish. Or as Bruce Spicer said, rubbage. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite British lettuce. (laughs) We love you, Bruce, by the way. I called him Sean Spicer earlier for not reminding me to not go to the record store today. Spicer's fault. Now we're going to get in trouble for criticizing Bruce Spicer. Oh, they're the mean ones. (laughs) We love Bruce Spicer. I just wish he sent me a personal email telling me don't go to Reckless today. So, yeah, so it's rested on the shelf. Cut to Peter Jackson, cut to Mal Technology, this software they developed so that they could take away a lot of the extraneous noises during the whole Let It Be Nagra tapes and all that and uh, and the film tapes and all that. So they're able to get rid of that buzz. They're able to actually get rid of the piano that John had on his demo. I know it's true. It's all because of you. Paul redid the piano. They came in and last year, Ringo redid his drum part. Paul redid his bass part. They added some shakers. They added some, uh, it says electric harpsichord as well. Paul played an electric harpsichord. And they brought in with Giles Martin's help. This, by the way, is the first Beatles song to be produced or to give Paul McCartney a production credit. Paul McCartney gets production credit on this too. You know, bringing in Giles Martin to arrange the orchestral overdub as well in a style that's very much similar to what George Martin would have done. Yeah, Yeah. really helped flesh this out. 
Yeah, man. Yeah. And it sounds it sounds fucking great. I think it sounds great. Now, I'll, I should be noted that, you know, the Mal technology is great and all that, but it was actually Magic Alex who had an early version of this called the Magic Larynx, and it was a toilet plunger microphone used <laughs> suction technology to remove and extract your vocal cords from your body and then put that on the tape. <laughs> is that why the technology is called Mal? It's an acronym for Magic Alex's Larynx? That's good. That's a good Beatle conspiracy. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Untitled Beatles exclusive. <laughs> Untitled Beatles podcast exclusive. <laughs> Two drops in one. Two tickles in one. There. <laughs> it's great. It is cool, though. So in that 12-minute video, though, I enjoyed seeing the actual studio where they're doing all this mal technology stuff. It looks like war games or whatever. It's this giant dark room. Yeah, and you it's and, and at some point it becomes Yellow Submarine and Ringo's there and John's in a box, man. Yeah, man. They said, this is the sound of John's voice. <laughs> Although, to be clear, that was just a big soundstage mixing room. Yes, you know, like yes, a lot of what they were showing, big plug for uh, Fab Filter Pro Q3, my favorite EQ plugin oh. that I often and use in the production of our show. Very nice. But that's not mal technology. It's just a very expensive EQ plugin. It was an oscilloscope that was like 20 feet tall, basically. That's right. Yeah. It, it was actually a Scylla Black Scope. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the cover a little bit, right? I guess. <laughs> it's, Lot, lots unpacked there. It's a little like KTEL presents The ah. Beatles. I agree. It's weird that they promoted it. Who's the artist who did it? They were like, and an original piece of artwork. It's the famous by... guy that did a documentary on him, Ed Ed Russia. Ed Russia, yeah. Ed sure. Russia, yeah. Can't say that anymore. He's a KGB agent. Uh, that's, the, that's the problem. I'm for Ed Ukraine, <laughs> I think. <laughs> no, it's uh, yeah, Ed, Ed Russia. He's a text-based artist, and he's had an exhibit at the MoMA in New York called Now Then. And he has a book out called Then and Now. So what I understand is Calderstone just looked up Now and Then in the phone book and Ed Russia turned up. <laughs> they Googled Now and Then art and Ed Russia was the top result. And they're like, yeah, get this guy. Get this guy. You go one down, it's the guy who designed the Robert Plant cover. <laughs> you go two down, it's the guy who did the poster for that Christina Ricci movie now and then. Oh, not a bad film for us Ricci heads. Have you ever been French kissed? Are you kidding? I don't want to get pregnant. Well, yeah, it seems to be a controversial, uh, on all the Beatle message boards, people are kind of up in arms about it. I mean, I get it. Like you said, like, what is there to talk about? It's text. It's kind of blue. It's kind of gray. Here's what I will say to its credit is I appreciate that they didn't do something bold and outlandish with the artwork. It really lets the song present itself. So like, I don't care. I don't have any problems with it. Like it's, it gets the job done. It's out of the way. Let the song speak for itself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do agree with that. The only thing I would say is uh, I read a conspiracy theory online that said you can line up the now and then to like if you mash up the red and blue covers and the now the, the ledges that have the lettering on them are almost like the balconies. So maybe there's like a weird butcher uh. cover thing where people are going to be steaming <laughs> off the cover of the new $80 uh, 62 to 66 three vinyl LP. 
but they're gonna use induction steamers, you know. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and it's like, oh, this is just a mad magazine fold-in, you know. <laughs> or it's a magic eye if you just like cross your eyes. And... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the cover is what it is. It's just a bunch of text. I thought it was it looked kind of cheap. I thought it was kind of underwhelming at first, but it's kind of growing on me. I mean, it looks like a I wrote down it looks like a social studies book cover from the 70s. Hmm. But then cut to the like all the the Beatle people up in arms like, "Oh, here's a better cover." And it's like, "Oh, it's bad stuff. It's like yeah, bad Photoshop young Beatles." Beatles. <laughs> yeah, looking into a mirror of old Beatles. No. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> Terrible. Well, let's do it. Let's talk about the songs, yeah? Yes. Yeah, it's time. Uh, we got to go number of fabs to kick us off. Or you can close with number of fabs. Yeah, well, we we were throwing it to you first, Casey. Do you still want okay. that? Do you still want that? I'll take it. All right. <clears throat> One and a half fabs. What? Whoa. No. <laughs> we'll unpack it. This song is beautiful. Period. The Fuck arrangement you. is beautiful. <laughs> The recording is an atrocity. Uh, And that's how I feel. And that's why my name now is no longer Mal. It's what it really was intended to be, is Malo. Malo, which in (laughs) Espanol is... No No es bueno. No bueno, amigo. (laughs) Wowee, man. Wow. I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting that. All right. Yeah. Fair. All right. All right. Uh, I give it four. I give it four out of five. I give it four out of five. It made me feel good. I think I'm more. I hear you on the. I hear you on the tech, man. I hear you on the song. Yeah. If you actually look, I, I did a thing. I sent it to you guys on the Slack where you look at the, the dynamics. It is a loudness wars song. Yeah, the waveform <laughs> yeah. Tony shared, and it's you know like the recordings of the '90s. If you look at a waveform, like early '60s, '70s recordings, you can see the shapes of sounds. You can sort of see the pattern of the drums. But in the '90s, they just compressed the shit out of everything to make it as loud as it could be for radio, and the waveform looks like a brick. And that's what yeah. now and then looks like. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Walked into that. <laughs> oh, well. But even compared to the current era, the 2022 mix of Love Me Do, that still has some shape to it. Like, they're it still does. using modern technology, but they just scrunched the shit out of now and then. That's for sure. Yeah. I think the majority of my four fabs go to the context and the story behind this song. I think I that got me a little bit in this being the last Beatles song. I really hope it is or whatever. And and what it means, actually, in that the lyrics are John basically talking to Paul, saying, I miss you and all that. And then the other Beatles on this planet saying I miss you back. Mm -hmm. There's something to me in that story that worked for me. It's special. Yeah, it's special. Yeah, yeah. What about you, TJ? Uh, Rewind forward over now and then. One fab, (laughs) I'm out. (laughs) Whoa, he just... Wow, Casey, wow. It's just you and me now, Casey. Wow. (laughs) Shit. Is that the end of the show? Untitled. Yeah, that's how the show ends. We never covered Bad Boy. (laughs) Oh, I I forgot. We got to do Bad Boy. I guess I'm back. DJ's back for at least another week, everybody. We're fine. We're fine. I'll stay this one time. contractually obligated. Oh, this this won't surprise you. I can't give it five fabs because if five fabs is, you know, if if five fabs is let it be and five fabs is please, please me and Andy Bird can sing, then this song is four and a half fabs. Four and a half. Great. 
I think it is probably the best of any of the three tools, or I guess these guys are the two tools. I don't know if that's been established yet. Um, it's pretty twee as a turd. It's the next worst thing to be, says Cream. I think that the song itself is better written than Free as a Bird or Real Love. Hmm. I feel as much as I love the Jeff Lynne production, the Giles Martin orchestration more saluting his dad makes this hmm. sound more like a Beatles song than either Real Love or Free as a Bird did. I struggle to come up with an argument that this should be on the reissued Blue album that's coming out soon. It, yeah. it, it's difficult for me to, with a straight face, say this belongs on an album with Strawberry Fields and long, even Long and Winding Road. I don't love Long and Winding Road, but it's clearly a masterpiece. It's a stretch to call this a masterpiece. It is a beautiful... I, I'm, I'm misquoting from my my favorite Beatles book that's very dark, the Peter Doggers, You Never Give Me Your Money. This feels a bit like a confectionery. It's sweetened perfectly. It is delectable. It is stunning to look at. But at the end of the day, it does beg the question, are you going back to this or are you going back to the medley in Abbey Road? This doesn't belong with that. It doesn't make it any less special, important, or beautiful. I love it. And I also understand its place both for what it is and we can be honest about what it isn't. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think we have to lump these all into the category of threedles, you know, toodles, whatever you want to call this stuff. Toodles? <laughs> yeah, I have a hard time putting this on the Blue Album as well. I don't think it should yeah. be on the Blue Album. No, it should be on a single released with the reissue of the Red and Blue Album. I think that's exactly right. And like yeah. pairing it with Love Me Do feels right. It's, it's a cool bookend. Yeah, I thought that was a good choice for the uh, other A side, if you will. <laughs> yeah, for, for the double A side. Oddly enough, Love Me Do is going to chart higher. How is this possible? <laughs> and this is, we need not dwell on this. We can save this for, for remixed red and blue, but this is the first real stereo Love Me Do that's ever been issued. That's what makes yeah. this somewhat special. Yeah. It's not the fake stereo from early Beatles. This is actual stereo because of the mouth technology. We'll get into that when we analyze red and blue, and I can't wait for that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you about that, too. So thank you for answering that. Yeah. I thought it was. Yeah. But yeah, we'll save that for Red and Blue next week. Yeah. So let's talk about the actual song itself, right? The uh, let's, let's go through it. Let's get under the hood as we do. Uh, no emotions. Let's just talk about the... <laughs> All right. We just... The composition, structure, and lyrics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Paul counts it in, contrary to what the Wall Street Journal says. Uh, they think it's George. Uh, that's Paul, right? Well, the Wall Street Journal's right about everything. We should invade Iraq. Trickle-down economics will work. Maybe <laughs> Trump will be somewhat fucking normal. I trust everything Rupert Murdoch's publications say. So hearing Paul count in one, two, three, four, you know, what's the first song that opens their first British album as I saw her standing there, which kicks off together. with such a powerful one, two, three, four. One, two, three, five. This is their last song. They're opening and closing with Paul count offs, which is kind of neat. One, two. And it's a great contrast too, like his sort of like somber count off into this. Yes. One. Yeah. Yeah. And what's funny is that Ringo actually gets the last word. You hear him mutter something at the end there. Did you hear that? I did. It's it's like his tribute to Beautiful Night from Flaming Pie, where for some reason he goes, "Give me that cookie." <laughs> <laughs> 
Fuck's going on with Ringo in 97? <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like, what does Ringo say here? Ringo says, that's a good one. He said, I farted, I thought. He's like, I thought. <laughs> I thought, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how, that's how the song ends and begins, begins and ends. I dig it. I love hearing, I loved hearing John's voice so isolated. It was just great to hear John's voice. It's so iconic. So just great to hear it in this context again Ringo comes in with the rim shots Paul comes in with the bass I mean it starts off with you know piano and acoustic guitars which I guess <laughs> that's George right on acoustic it is and it sounds to me like a threedle song the opening sounds like one of two things it sounds like a threedle song and every ballad on Egypt station <laughs> <laughs> well, trust yeah. me it's another mid-tempo Lennon at home demo thing, right? right? Which we all know. You know, the demo's been around. I will say this, and then so, yeah, so then we get the verse, which is great. And then we cut out the second part of the demo, you know, the I yeah. Don't Want to Lose You part, which I believe was the original title of this song. Yeah, that's the part of it they used in the Lennon musical, which which I saw one of the very few performances of in, I think, 05 in New York. Right. And this was in that. It's not until the line, I will love you, that Paul's voice becomes dominant. It's really interesting. Paul's voice kind of melts over John's on the line, I will love you. And it's a beautiful technique. I don't think there's another Beatles song that's got that kind of effect. No, not really. There was a lot of that throughout the track where you can hear that Paul is singing, but it is barely there. And I thought... Of my many objections to uh, some of the mixing of period recording, I think that's part of why the recording bugs me so much. A lot of uncanny valley shit. Um, I did a pre- I did like that effect though of just sort of like barely having Paul there underneath yeah. John's vocal. Yeah, but and that said, I'm kind of glad they cut the "I Don't Want to Lose You" part of that song. I feel like that would have been a Beatle choice. To me, it's it's a John Lennon curveball in a song structurally that sounds out of place. Granted, we only really have two parts to this song. There's no middle eight in this song that I could discern. Maybe the instrumental parts work as a kind of middle eight. Yeah, I think that yeah. it's what's what it's supposed to be. But before we even get to that, Tony, my mm. note is, is exactly the same. The whole, I don't want to lose you, lose you or abuse you from the demo gave the song some soul. That might have been an entire, mm. if this were within the Beatles, that might have been an entirely other song. Or maybe had Lennon lived, yeah. he would have taken that fragment and turned it into another song because that's what exactly, gave the song yeah. some soul. And it does beg, I wanted to kind of mention here, we now have the final Beatles song. It's interesting. Free as a Bird, Real Love, 
now and then. There's not one rocker in those. And while I realize no. things like Move Over Mrs. L was completed, I'm not saying to go back and take a song that was a rock and roll people, songs that were done, but like it is kind of a shame that the three post breakup songs are all mid-tempo kind of minor key they all start with a very john was writing kind of that very 50s chord progression minor key thing in the 70s and i'm glad he kind of slumbered out of that because i don't know that any of these songs if you think free is a bird and you think real love and you think now and then is any one of these better than beautiful boy or watching the wheels or the songs that would be written shortly thereafter, or Woman, or Starting Over, or Nobody Told Me, so, or Grow Old With Me. So yes, I, I'm not trying to dog these. I am saying, I think John's getting some of the, the the need to, as Sean beautifully said in the documentary on Disney Plus and on YouTube, Sean, what did Sean say? He said, you know, everyone thinks my dad wasn't making music. He, he was, he just wasn't making it for record companies. There's this impression that my dad stopped doing music for a while to raise me, which I think is partially true in terms of him not touring and not fulfilling any major record label obligations. But he was always playing music around the house. He was always making demos. And I do remember him recording into these tape cassette recorders. Maybe John was getting some of the writing again out of his system to lead up to the, I think, better songs that followed. And I don't think that makes me an a-hole. I'm not criticizing now and then, but it's not as good as watching the wheels. No, I agree with you completely. Yeah, yeah. Watching the wheels is its own thing. And yeah. And let's face it, these are demos, right? Right, right. Exactly. Like when he sat down at the piano to do this, he wasn't doing a take for right. us to hear. <laughs> he was doing a take for his bandmates. I wonder whether taking these demos posthumously and trying to turn them into a songs, do they feel too beholden to the demo? Whereas had Lennon had those tapes, had a couple more years, went back to it, any of these songs might have turned into a rocker. Like I, That's part of what kind of makes them feel a little lethargic to me as a series, as a trio, those three tracks, Yeah, is that they just feel, yeah, like we took the demo, we put strings on top and vocals, like you layered from the demo, as opposed to that being the seed that turns into, Interesting. you know, Hey Bulldog or something like that. Yeah. But let's face it, that's all we got, you know? That's right. all we got to right. work yeah. with. So it's either that or nothing, you know? Right. You don't want to make a big directional change like that without John's presence, right? Like, I think everybody felt that degree of obligation to, like, we can't fuck with this too much because yeah. he's not here to do it. It is a tightrope. It is a tightrope. Yeah. And you know they wrestled with that back in the 90s, you know? And I want to say that's the reason why George Martin chose not to produce those original mm. two Threedles songs. Yeah, I think there was some of that, Tony, and unless I'm incorrect here, I think some of that was George saying he'd only do it if uh, Jeff Lim was involved. And I think mm. around the same time, George saying, it's okay, my hearing's fine, everything's good, do this with Jeff Lynn. But I think it might have been mutually George Martin saying I'm good and George Harrison saying I won't do this without Jeff Lynn. Now, we'd be remiss to not mention that they did use some ooh, some ah, sorry. Ooh, ee, ooh, ah, ah, ding, ding. <laughs> From the chipmunks. They took the chipmunks. They lifted it in. They slowed it down. <laughs> Back to the original. And then the witch doctor, he told me what to do. He said the They took some oohs and some ahs from Here, There, and Everywhere, Eleanor Rigby, and Because, and you can hear those, especially during the instrumental 
passages. They're throughout the whole song, but yeah. yeah because at around 310, you can hear those exact harmonies yes. right there, and it works. Major to minor, right? Isn't yeah. this a bit? Yeah. Yeah. I, now, I will just say that this is part of why this recording is a monstrosity to me, is because mm. we have mm. John's vocals from, what, 79 in this demo? Mm-hmm. On, Thereabouts, yeah. You know, low fidelity, made magic with the mal technology, the mallow technology. <laughs> We've got original 60s Beatles backing vocals. We've got Paul recorded last year. And... Those things to me can't glue together mm. in any meaningful way. Like they sound just like a high school sound design project where I just pulled in together like three components. You can't make them match. Like I wished they had just re-recorded the song. Like what have Danny and Sean add to it. Don't airlift in this AI vocal. I get Tony, I, I hear what you're saying about getting to hear John's voice in this like clear you know, never before heard passages is really valuable, but like in terms of does it make a good recording? No, like it's it's gross. It gives me the jeebies. <laughs> not to so mention not the, the heebies. heebies. <laughs> just just the- no, not quite the heebies. It's mostly jeebies. <laughs> <laughs> so that's good. So really, it should be two fabs, but you know, you're right. <laughs> So I, I want to get back to the story of the song a little bit. Yeah. Glenn Kay, one of our great Discord listeners, yes, our hey great Glenn. Discord listeners. Um, but he hipped us to this article from People Magazine, of yes. all places, uh-huh. that traces the now and then story back to when Paul was recording with Carl Perkins in the 80s. Yep. And as a thank you, Carl wrote a song called My Old Friend. And it's a beautiful song. And if you click on that People Magazine link... Uh, there's a great little seven minute video that tells this whole story and you get to hear Paul and Carl duet that song and it's, it's beautiful it's lovely it'll bring a fucking tear to your eye perhaps but in the lyrics of that Carl Perkins song are these words my old friend won't you think of me now and then my Won't you think about me every now and then? And according to Paul, the last words John ever said to him were, think about me every now and then, old friend. Uh Patted him on his back and said that. And when Carl Perkins played this song for Paul just in person in a room with Linda, Paul had to excuse himself to go cry, perhaps for the first time since John's death. And Linda, Linda said as much. Right, this was 81, right? 1981. Yeah. So Yeah, man. So it's that story that to me, like, you know, I'm not even a lyrics person so much, but when I when I hear that story and then I can hear the lyrics in context, it it makes me go like, oh, okay, man. All right, all right. I agree with your technical points, Casey. But for me, the story of the song does it outweighs uh, it. Overcomes that. I'm right there with you. I, I agree. I, again, I think it's a beautiful song. I think it is absolutely deserving of a like posthumous completion. I'm glad they did that. It's just the way they went about it, Frankensteining together these this different audio. It made me again. I had like uncanny valley responses. It was just it's too much, and it made me think about mortality, which I, maybe is also part of it. But it like everything just felt like oh, I'm hearing crumbling old Paul's voice. <laughs> you know, mashed on top of this 
never heard before John voice that's also been kind of like computered. I also I have some feelings about the maltechnology. Yeah. I oh, will. yeah. Let's just let's talk about the John voice for a second. Yeah. Time okay. to talk right. about the John voice. Let's do it. It's like, time to talk about this, it. All right. This maltechnology Peter Jackson developed for the Get Back documentary, extremely valuable, extremely effective. But at the end of the day, what it does, they've done a really good job of being out in the press to say this isn't a synthetic voice. This isn't synthesized. This isn't cloning John's voice. Nothing was generated by Mal. Mm. What Mal did is it strips away the noise and it separates the piano from the vocals. And then it has machine learning, a machine learning component. It's been trained on John's voice so that it can really dial in the sound of John's voice. Now, full disclosure, my day job, I work in like audio ads. And so I'm up to my neck in all these AI tools right now. When you strip away the noise, there's still holes in the original vocal. Yes. Part of what the machine learning is doing is it's filling in those gaps. So it's not wholly synthesized, but there are elements that like the little bit of John's voice that's left is getting spackled in by Mal. And that's what it sounds like. It sounds Hmm. like the second line, I think, of the song. And if I make it through it sounds like a weird chop edit or yes. a bad synthetic voice. And if I make it through, it's all because... And that's like one microcosm of like how the whole thing sounds and it doesn't meld with the rest of the recording. And I'm glad to hear it. I just like have someone else record the vocal, like celebrate the song, not the recording. If if you, it's a great point. And if quickly, if you go back and listen to free as a bird, more so than real love free as a bird sounds like John's ghostly voice drifting in and out. One of the reasons that was controversial. As great of a job as Jeff Lynn did in ornamenting it and doing the best he could separating from the demo, it still sounded like the ghost of John Lennon singing. And I think that was off-putting yeah. for many people wanting to hear the next Beatle record, thinking about John's death while hearing a Beatles song. It's not supposed to be intentional. That's supposed yeah. to be something you feel as you're going through your emotions. This, you're right. It does sound like it's ghostly John in a different way. And ghostly John plus Paul's vocals at age 80 something when this was recorded does feel weird, but I'm still grateful for it. I can't explain why my emotions are overcompensating for how I feel intellectually about the manufactured nature of this. Yeah. I mean, to be clear though, the spackling that you were talking about, Casey, that was all uh, Billy Bob from the Showbiz Pizza Band. So <laughs> they did a great version of Birthday. To me, it's the same as John. Howdy, everybody. I'm Billy Bob, and it's time for another big birthday celebration here at Showbiz Pizza Place. I'd like to dedicate this special show to our birthday guest. All right, let's go on our Discord and see what you, the listener, think. Uh, if you'd like to join our uh, Patreon, you become a member of our Discord, and we you can get in on the uh, the untitled Beatles action. <laughs> I oh. want some action, tender satisfaction. That's for you. Um, let's start with our buddy Bert Chide, who's not a big fan of the Giles mixes. Tbh. Hmm. My thoughts, it's a new Beatles song, it's obviously not bad at all. My thing is, compared to previous two post-John entries, there seems to be less of a creative approach in filling out the composition. 
Perhaps playing it safe is better than gambling on a wild take for the last Beatles song. Maybe all they had of George's contribution really limited the directions they could have taken it musically. Okay, that's a good point. That's fair. I don't know that I have the same criticism of the, like, of the things I actually do love about the song. I love the arrangement. Like, again, the actual sonic quality I could do without, but those strings are really tasteful. And TJ, you mentioned earlier, I couldn't agree more. It feels very much as much a tribute from Giles to George as it is from this whole group to John. Thank you, Casey. Yes, that is crucial to say that because George Martin shaped the sound of so much of the Beatles music that to have his son do something this tasteful and respectful. Now, two moments where I miss both Georges, Martin and Harrison, uh, were in the slide guitar solo, which is Paul playing it. And I've got to say, it's lovely that Paul's playing slide guitar, especially when they were doing uh, Free as a Bird, Paul made some comment in the press about, oh, great, now there's just going to be more My Sweet Lord slide guitar. I think it was when they were doing uh, Free as a Bird, Paul said that. And um, now <laughs> oh, Paul's boy. doing it as a, as a tribute to George. And <laughs> He got off the boat is what happened. <laughs> right? and away from the fire. Hey, hey! <laughs> so, hey! I bring that up because as wonderful of a tribute as it is, Let's be honest, Paul's slide guitar solo and the Martin orchestration at that point in the song for the quote-unquote bridge, it doesn't do much. Mm-hmm. There's not much going on. I almost would have preferred in Beatles spirit, and even though Clapton's kind of become a bit of a schmuck, I still love yeah. Eric Clapton. Maybe this would have been a time to bring in Clapton to play some slide guitar on that part as a tribute to George. But again, all respect Mm. to Paul for doing it, but go back and listen to that bridge. It never, it just kind of sits there. That said, I quite like the instrumentation. The, the instrumental parts are some of my favorite parts of the song. Like there's, there's it's, it's kind of psychedelic. I like how the strings kind of swoop out. Like they're being sucked in. Like there's a backwards thing going on. Mm. I like that stuff. I agree, though, that, yeah, it did feel, even in, in I listened in, like, uh, my Sony headphones, and I listened in earbuds, and I listened in the car, actually. Um, I just like the orchestration on that. However produced, I enjoyed what they played. However absurd. Same. Show me your press-to-play <laughs> album. <laughs> it was interesting on the 12-minute documentary it felt, which I, I, we should talk about for a minute or two, the documentary I thought was really well done, very well produced with the time frame. And there was, I'm trying to count moments of revisionist history. One of mm. them was Paul talking about it being the the, uh, the sound quality that they found unsuitable when George called it, as Mr. Spicer called it. Rubbage. <laughs> rubbage. I put rubbage which, in my coleslaw. <laughs> yeah. And I go to the dirty movies and I have some rubbish, but, you know. (laughs) That gave me the jeebies. (laughs) But not the heebies. Not the heebies. It's called a heebie-jeebie dance. What a lot of love. It's called a heebie-jeebie dance. Well, Susan in Baltimore says it just really brings home how much was lost when John died. When I sit in it and I think about it, I don't want to get out of bed. Crying emoji, heartbreak emoji. Yeah, it's a, it's an emotional 
It's an emotional song. Let's, uh, you know, for a bunch of guys that like to just get under the hood and just talk about the carburetor of the Beatles. Hey. You know. <laughs> Uh, so thank you for that. Thank you everyone for uh, submitting stuff. Anthony in Portland said it's better than Free as a Bird and Real Love. I love the walrus esque strings. Song sounds like it could have been on Plastic Ono Band or Imagine. Beautiful. Mm. What do you think of that? I think it would have been the sixth best song on Imagine <laughs> and the ninth best song on Plastic Ono Band. <laughs> All right, that's fair. That's fair. Well, and obviously not in this arrangement. Like that's I would love to hear what John would have done with this song. I mean, that's that's the version that would have gone on either of those albums and I don't think that's what we're listening to. No. No, and you have someone else to blame for that, right? Anyway, I don't mean Yeah. To. <laughs> no, that's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what if the next step you guys is taking John's vocals off Plastic Ono Band and having Paul re-record Mother? <laughs> and, have, and having Paul re-record working class hero and God and how do you sleep and how, <laughs> and, and, well they can do magic and do how do you sleep sure uh, Glenn Keenan says bah I heard it once on Spotify and now Spotify can't play it so this happened to me okay so full disclosure 10 o'clock actually I, pre I I pre-gamed by listening to strawberry fields I had to listen on like a little like speaker thing TJ we have the same Bluetooth speaker yeah JBL proud sponsor of the show down the road <laughs> down the road maybe, one maybe. Day. <laughs> so I listened to strawberry fields and then I'm like all right it's 1002 and I played now and then and it wouldn't play it just went like <laughs> They said, this is the sound of John's voice. I tried it like three times and it wouldn't play. And so actually I listened to Love Me Do first because <laughs> it would play. The A side, sure. <laughs> the other A side. Then I tried playing it again and it, it just wouldn't play on Spotify. It's like this song broke Spotify. Yeah. I've never had that happen. Yeah. I feel really bad for the massive uh, online streamer that put every record retailer out of business. Take it, Tony. I do too. I feel so bad. <laughs> Skyler. Uh, Skyler, uh, I think she's out there in Ohio somewhere. She said, My thoughts. Aga had to wiggle with. It's a, you know, she, she, she hit her keyboard. Had a stroke. She had, <laughs> she had a, she had an E stroke. Uh, my actual thoughts. This is a brilliant send off to John Lennon and by extension, the Beatles. Good job, lads. What else we got? Oh, TJS Beatles said... Uh-oh, not me. Now and then, greater than She's Leaving Home. Yes, I would take <laughs> She's Leaving Home off Pepper. If Dave Dexter's grandson... I hated my grandpa. He left me a lot of money, but he broke the Beatles records. I was a Beach Boys fan. I like Mike Love's solo career. Dave, Dave Dexter's grandson. <laughs> um, yeah, on on the new Sergeant Pepper, I think without question, I would put this on instead of um, she's leaving home. But, I mean, sonically, it doesn't work, but okay, TJ, I heard, I hear you. <laughs> you know, it does work. Sonic's happy hour from two to four. Get any diabetes drinks you want at Sonic. There's a thousand different drink combinations at Sonic. Mm, Sonic. <laughs> LL uh, out there in Australia, she said, OMG, I'm in tears. It's very well done. Worth the wait. Nowhere Doug. 
I gave it four fabs. Could have been five if Jimmy Nickel had been involved. Thank Agreed. You. No weird, Doug. Agreed. <laughs> it is a lovely final song if it is truly final, he, he says. Really nice production, too. So there you go, KC. Sure. <laughs> Good job, KC. <laughs> Agree to D. Good. Agree to D. Agree to D. Are you D? D T D. D T A T D. Yeah. <laughs> the strings are a nice, subtle touch. Nowhere, Doug says, and I love the Beatle background vocals they loved in from the original '60s tracks. Would have been nice to hear a bit more Paul vocal and maybe Ringo too. Now I really hope they give Free as a Bird and Real Love the Peter Jackson maltreatment to clean those up. I agree. That would have made a, a perfect CD single. And finally, Glenn Kay was able to listen to it. To me, the original demo of N and T was depressing. I agree. Uh, but Paul took a sad song and made it longer and better. <laughs> Does clock in at what, 410? What's the length Actually, of Actually, the demo's longer, man. The demo's like five six, minutes. Yeah, it's like 530 or something. Yeah, and this one's like a little, yeah, 410-ish, right? Yeah. yeah, I can't wait to hear the dance mix. <laughs> record store day dance mix of this. Well, thank you all for chiming in on the Discord, on the Untitled Beatles podcast. Final thoughts, y'all. I would say I can't wait for a really good cover of this song to be recorded. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you want to see cover this? I want to hear, yeah. Who do I want to see cover it? You know, the lazy, cheesy option is to say, like, have Sean do the vocal. Have Sean do the mm. vocal. Have Danny. I, you know, I hate Clapton too, but TJ, now that you, you kind of sold me, get Clapton in for the guitar solo to do a George-esque tribute. Yeah. Then we could really celebrate the song. I really do think it's a beautiful song. I It just uh, creeps me out. It creeps me out. <laughs> Someone else do it. <laughs> uh, I will say this. At the time of this recording, I'm looking forward to watching the video, the Peter Jackson video yes. that comes yes. out tomorrow afternoon, I think, whenever it does. Uh, so we, we don't have any comments on that, but I'm looking forward to that. I think it's a great song. I think it's a good uh, it's a good send off. I'm buying into the story just for Beatles sake, just for Beatles sake. I'm buying into it. It is a great song. That's why I gave it four and a half fabs. It's OK to take a great song and talk about its flaws. It's still wonderful that it happened. It may. It's still difficult to say this is the last song that all four Beatles will ever participate in together, but it is the truth. And for that alone, given the massive hit that Get Back was a couple years ago, also being released at a time when the whole world was still gripped with COVID and everybody was in panic, what Get Back did for millions of people, reigniting yeah. another sense of Beatlemania. I'm thrilled the song exists. I've listened to it probably 20 times so far today, getting the nuances. I did want to mention Paul's bass is astonishing mm. throughout this. Yes. He's got kind of a little come together run at the very end of the song. The strings resolve into a minor key. The uh, Casey, I cannot agree with you more about the brick walling of this and the effect in John's vocal. It is not pleasing to the ear. In fact, we also don't have our hands on the vinyl, which, you know, most of us will be getting tomorrow. So we'll talk about that. We have a lot to talk about with the new red and blue as well coming up. But yeah, 
four and a half fabs does this need to be on the blue album that's very difficult for me to say it does conceptually and emotionally fine intellectually when you compare it to the beatles canon no it probably shouldn't close the blue album yeah i agree with you but let's say this though today was a great day for like one of the last moments of perhaps monoculture yeah right yeah yeah. Like we were all sitting around at 10 a.m. or whatever time it was where you were waiting for this thing to happen. That's a cool thing. Like even my mother called me up. It's like, I'm listening to the new Beatles song. Aww. I'm watching WGN TV. Wow. You know, <laughs> she called me while they were doing it, too. Like, <laughs> I'm listening to the Be- Beatles song. I'm like, well, you're talking to me, mom. <laughs> And I can't hear it now, Mom. <laughs> but I'm an asshole, so that's me. <laughs> I recorded uh, XRT uh, debuting it live, and I've got that audio. However, Good for you. my wonderful seven-year-old son, I let him play with my mixer a lot, and he had the SFX patch on. <laughs> I hooked it up very quickly, so it sounds like Ryan Arnold's in a cavern. You've heard all the talk. You've watched the mini documentary on the making of the last Beatles song. And now with the rest of the world here on 93 WXRT, we get to play it and hear it. It's the Beatles. It's now and then. So it's very echoey, but I do have the audio. XRT made a big deal out of it. And they're celebrating Terry Hemmert's 50th anniversary on XRT tomorrow That's right. in Chicago. The legend Terry Hemmert. We do love you. We don't understand some of your choices. Stop taking so many requests, Terry. But we love you. We adore you. Peace and love. No, no more requests after the 12th of October, no Terry. Wait, wait, wait. One last request. If you can get your hand on the Susie and the Banshees cover of Now and Then. We all want to hear it. Untitled Beatles Podcast. Like and subscribe. 